Well, hello everyone. Good morning. It's a good morning. Now, I want to start by um, starting the Old Testament, really, because um, the Old Testament, there were a lot of bad times, but you have to get this in context of God in charge. Let me just read to you from the book of Zechariah. Um, In mid-chapter 9... Never again will an oppressor overrun my people. For now, I'm keeping watch. Rejoice. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. That's the the city of Jerusalem. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. They were a noisy lot in the Old Testament. We're quite subdued this morning for some reason. Let's be aware that we've got things to make a fuss about, a glad fuss, a happy one. Okay, see, your king is coming. Righteous, having salvation, gentle, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And then I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem and the battle bow will be broken, he will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea. I think that's from the Red Sea to the Mediterranean, but further than that, And as for you, speaking to his people, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the the waterless pit. Return to your fortress, O Jerusalem of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. Now I thought... That was worth reading for two reasons. One, because some of us are a bit down at the moment with the news being what it is. But also because it ties in with Palm Sunday. Now let me just get my notes out. I'm becoming ancient, as some of you realise. Some of you will say I've been ancient for a long time. But I need to have these things in front of me in nice large print. There we are. And this morning, I want us to think about that day, which we call Palm Sunday. Just going back to the, to the original one for the moment, it was in late spring, just about this time of the year. In fact, some scholars have even suggested a date for it. Sunday, March the 29th. In the year AD 33. I, I don't stand by that. I don't think they do, really. But for the disciples of Jesus, that was the fifth day before Passover festival. Oh, what's Passover? Well, Passover is that time, and particularly one day in that time, when the Jewish people... We're thinking 
about getting to Jerusalem if they could. Hoping to be there to, to sacrifice a lamb at the temple and then to have a, a special family meeting wherever they're able to assemble at the end of the day. And that was just as their ancestors, 1,200 years before, had met in a land where they were slaves and had a meal while God was in the process of sending them free. Passover. And coming back to this particular time, the time of Jesus... Jerusalem was filling up. Perhaps as many as two million people, it's been reckoned. And just to, to emphasize the, the sense of being packed together, can I tell you that at that time, the city of Jerusalem was about a mile from north to south and something over half a mile from side to side and roughly shaped like that. Absolutely packed. All the space taken up. And, and, and excitement. And they were excited because God had set them free. God had given them that city. But it was in the past. And so there was a deep-rooted anger also burning within the city at that particular day. When Jesus came to the city... The Roman soldiers were there, standing by in the, 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 the garrison tower just outside the temple. And it was at this time, or in fact just shortly before Passover time, that Jesus and his disciples arrived in a village just over the hill there, in Bethany about two miles from Jerusalem, the other side of the Mount of Olives. And they had what I think must have been their own different Passover festival, their own Passover celebration. Because in Bethany, there, there was a little family, I, I think actually in some ways quite a strange family. A problem which had had family, uh, family problems, a, pro a, a family where things had, had gone wrong. And particularly, quite recently, one of the members of that family had died. And Jesus had been summoned to, to, to come and, and do something about it. And he arrived after he was dead. Lazarus had died. Lazarus had been buried four days previously by the time... Jesus got there and then followed that amazing miracle in which um, Jesus summoned him out, called him back, back to life, back to his sisters, back to Bethany, alive. It's, it's the, 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 the pinnacle miracle in the Gospel of John in one sense. John's building up to this, this amazing fact that Lazarus was restored. And as Jesus and the disciples 
arrived on the way to Jerusalem, they had a celebration. You can imagine it, can't you? Uh, and, and, and there was consternation too because during or perhaps after they'd eaten together Mary, one of the sisters anointed Jesus' feet with ointment which they said was worth a year's wages and, and she also unbound her hair which was almost unthinkable in public at that time. And with her hair, she wiped the feet of Jesus. And it was the next day that Jesus and the disciples continued to Jerusalem. All four Gospels tell us the story. Slightly different slant, which is exactly what you would say. It really, really happened. On this day, Jesus arrived and he started it, very interestingly, by sending two of his disciples to find a particular cult. He told them where it would, they'd find it, to, 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 to find a cult, a donkey, a little donkey, and bring it to him. And he mounted it. And he rode on it into Jerusalem. Surrounded by a, a crowd of people who were, were just shouting the words of, a, of, of one of the, well, a, sobra- a celebration so- song, a psalm, which was also a, a protest song, Psalm 118. It's where we get that word Hosanna from. Hosanna means save now. And, and as, as, as they went down into the valley and then began to ascend the, the, the steep slope to the temple and to Jerusalem, people coming out of, the, out of the town who'd heard about him joined in with the disciples of Jesus and the, the people who'd seen what had happened to Lazarus. And they, they praised God. Hosanna, save us, save now. Because it was a special event in a time of captivity. And they just longed to be free. And two of the, two of the Gospels that we have, Matthew and John, Use this very significant prophecy that I read just now from Zechariah. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation. Gentle, riding on a donkey. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and to the ends of the earth. And, and, and so Jesus entered Jerusalem that day on a donkey. And 
I believe that that donkey was an emblem which Jesus had specifically chosen for that day. So that as he came, people could identify him in the crowd, but more particularly they could understand what he was about. So people could see in advance what sort of person he was. And I've just been wrestling most of this week with the question, what sort of king was Jesus? And I, I, I think having thought about that a little bit, I found there was another question. Okay then, so how do we respond to him? Let me just um, take you to that picture. The picture is of the donkey, a colt. A humble, small animal. Have you ever seen someone riding a, a, a colt? I've seen them in, in Israel. It's really rather strange because the colt is such a small animal and when someone sits on it, their, their legs are dangling just above the ground. So it looks like they've got six, the thing's got six legs. And because it's sitting down... His head is actually on the same level as all the other people round about. And Jesus rode into Jerusalem that day like that. And that, if you think about it, is really rather odd. A victorious king riding into Jerusalem. Not on the, the hugest, most beautiful horse that they could lay their hands on at the, at, the, at the head of a procession of people riding on little horses. But Jesus, part of the crowd, crowd height, entering Jerusalem. No big impact. In fact, certain amount of puzzlement. A king who was mighty, but was eminently approachable. A king in the crowd. So that's the first thing I believe Jesus was saying by riding the donkey. But then another thing about a donkey, which doesn't come very far behind that, a donkey above all is, is a load-bearing animal. Think pit ponies if you want to, but um, it's it's the it's the it's the, the animal in the Bible that's specifically mentioned again and again um, as a load-bearing animal. I, I suppose actually, if we're if we're if we're talking in contemporary terms, we're talking about. I was thinking, what a Volkswagen van. Uh, a Ford Transit, a white van. It was that sort of vehicle. And the king was coming into Jerusalem <laughs> on, in a white van, in a Volkswagen, on the back of a donkey. Uh, 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 and the donkey speaks of load-bearing. 
Remember how they spoke of him once in the Gospel of Mark? Isn't this the carpenter, they said? Yes. It's true, he was. A king who gets things done. Not just some great man with his finery. This Messiah gets things done. That was the message. And you take the story from Palm Sunday to Good Friday and you see what that meant. The greatest deed when he, as Peter says, bore our sins in his body on the cross. This is a king who does things. So that's the second picture I see in the donkey. And the third picture I see here is this. He's the servant king. Serving is what donkeys do, if you think about it. You don't get any lip back from a donkey. I don't even know if they bite. I know camels are quite unpleasant animals and horses aren't necessarily... But a donkey just gets on with the main task. And in the Old Testament, there's this marvelous book of Isaiah, or in this marvelous book of Isaiah, there are what we call the servant songs. And what in particular just is picked up again and again in the, in the New Testament He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows, but surely he has borne our sins, carried our sorrow. And after the suffering of his soul, uh, Isaiah is commenting, I think here, is my righteous, or God is commenting, my righteous servant will justify many and bear their iniquities. And I believe again and again, this is the sort of Messiah that Jesus was and, and, and is So, as Jesus went, his emblem was an emblem of humility, of of load-bearing, of servanthood. This is the sort of Messiah he was. Incidentally, I just have to put this in at this point. We're looking for a new minister, aren't we? Couldn't this be part of the specification? The sort of creature who bore Jesus into Bethlehem. Now that was my first question. What sort of king was Jesus? But the second question is this one. How do we respond to him? 
You, you know how the week went, don't you? Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Wow, wonderful. Okay, we can look at Jesus in those terms. I believe we should. The end of the week, crucify him. We'll not have this man to reign over us. And I believe that between these two days, beginning and the end of the week, there's a very clear choice put before, well, okay, I'll put it me, but you. Lord, save me. I wonder if some of us need to actually pray that prayer. Lord, save me. I need being set free. Save me. Or could it be for some of us even something more like crucify him? We don't want this Jesus anywhere alive near me. And the thing that that I felt I had to say this morning is, well, can I give you a week to decide at the moment? Maybe there's enthusiasm. Will it be Good Friday when we shout, no? Or will it be next Sunday when we say, hallelujah, Christ is risen? But it's, it, it's, it's, it's a matter of choice, I think. It's the decision some of us may be at, even at this moment. What am I going to, how am I going to respond to Jesus? A saviour or irrelevance or worse? Could I leave that question with anyone who it, it's bugging just at the moment? We respond by receiving or rejecting him. Okay, let's just assume the receiving. We, we respond to him by following him. The servant king. He came as a servant. He came to, to give his life. And I suppose the question I have to ask is something. Are you prepared to be identified with a donkey? That is, a servant creature. Something to do with church relationships, perhaps. Or something to do with all sorts of other relationships. Jesus came approachable, humble, available. Accepting all sorts of bad stuff. But he didn't retaliate. Hmm? How about our relationships? Our relationships in church. Our relationships with our family, in our family. Our relationships with our neighbours. Our relationships, our relationship attitude generally to the world around us. If we are following him, 
in humility and in load-bearing and in servanthood. This is part of the deal. In fact, this is a continuation of the deal. (laughs) And that's where my notes and my thoughts just end for the moment. But let's pray together. Can we do that? Father God, we're so glad that Jesus is as he was, did what he did, and did it for each one of us personally, bearing away our sin. If only we want him to do it. coming to serve a community and calling them friends. Lord, we thank you for our Lord Jesus on this day. And though the disciples and the crowds on that day could only see part of the story as it was unfolding around them, we thank you that we, through your word, through your Holy Spirit, have got so much more of the story to, to, to accept, to work out in our daily lives. So we pray, Lord, go with us, each of us, this week, to be the best men and women we possibly could be in following Jesus. We ask it for his glory and for the sake of his name. Amen.